a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, don't forget flyracing.com. Please check them out, whether it's a light hydrogen racewear that like guys like Pike and Baggett and Millsaps wear now and uh, Canard, or uh, if it's snowmobile stuff or mountain bike gear or hard parts, uh, uh, levers and chains and stands and, st- and all things like that, flyracing.com. They've got everything you need. Please check them out. Go and check it out. Check the flywall out where you can upload a photo of yourself and uh, and. If approved, the photo will show up on the flywall, and you'll be on the website, rockandflyracing.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathis. Uh, with me on the line, one of the top privateers in the sport throughout the 80s, a guy that I went and watched uh, racing all across Canada, arena crosses and supercrosses at one point or another, uh, and uh, I'd love to have catch up with him, of course. And it's Jeff Hicks. What's up, Jeff? How are you? Oh, I'm real good, man. Sun's funny coming out in Boise. We've had a heck of a winter here, so it's a nice day here today. Yeah, speak about fly racing. They're right there in uh, in Boise. That's right. So they're they're giant, man. They're, uh, I I was in fly well when they were just Western Power Sports about twenty five years ago, looking for a job after I quit riding. Oh yeah, and <laughs> Terry Basley. They were, and, they, and they told me they weren't really ready for a sales guy yet. Now they're. They're one of the biggest, I think, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they absolutely are. They're coming on strong, and, and Fly is a, is a huge brand for them. And, yeah, you would have been dealing with probably Terry Baisley back there. He's still there, still there uh, running things. So, um, Yeah, I know a few guys who work over there, and, and uh, they, have, they, they have like working there. And they're, they're, standard, they're top-notch outfit for sure. They've got a great reputation and, and uh, just a ton of products, and that's for sure. So, um, yeah, boy, it's a great place. I've been here 35 years, and. Uh, don't plan on leaving anytime soon. Yeah, look, you we, we always saw you in the magazines. Uh, you and Bob Hanna, great friends. You you wore HRP for a long time. You rode. You switched to Suzuki when Hanna switched to Suzuki. Did Hanna move to Idaho and convince you to come up there too, or how'd you get settled yeah, in Idaho? We started coming. He invited me up to go bicycle riding and training and stuff in Sun Valley, and uh, it took me about one day of being here to decide I was never going to, you know, <laughs> was going to just ride and live. And, uh, <laughs> Now like you're 35 years ago, that's 35 years ago now, I think. Wow. Uh, you're from Ohio originally, right? Yeah. Yeah. In Pennsylvania. Grew up in Northeast Ohio and, uh, when, and, you know, started racing motorcycles in 1975 or something like that. Came from what I call the pickup truck era motocross mm-hmm. guy. You could buy a dirt bike for six or 700 bucks and, and, uh, everybody was racing them and it was it certainly changed a lot since then, but, uh, yeah, that's my roots, and but I like I got I got a couple of brothers still back there, and, and uh, 
get back there a couple times a year, but I, oh, I like it out here. You know, uh, my buddy Jason Thomas, who used to race pro forever, now works at WPS. He's born and raised in Florida, Gainesville. Absolutely love Florida. Couldn't talk enough great things about Florida. Just Florida this, Florida that, Florida Gators, blah, blah, blah. He worked to go work for WPS in Boise. And now he's a converted guy like you, Jeff. He loves Boise. He loves Idaho. Like, I don't know if he'll ever leave. He loves it. Yeah. No, when I first came out here, they had, you were talking about BLM land and national forest land and, and uh, public land. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> and, uh, right. and you go back east, there's, everything's private. And uh, But out here, you know, there's a lot of open ground and you can do what you want. You can ride your bicycle or ride your motorcycle or take your gun out and do some shooting or do whatever you want. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's getting busier. Most more people are around Boise, but yeah. Uh, we got ten. We got nine or ten months of really good weather and uh, and a lot of open space. And it's it's an awesome spot for sure. Um, do you still so, ride at all? You still ride dirt bikes or anything? I got a, an adventure bike. I got a Yamaha Super Tenere, and that's my dirt bike fix. Okay. Uh, no, no more to cross bikes, and, and uh, I ride my bicycle. Ride that Super Ten, and I ride it hardy a little bit once in a while. And yep, uh, that's my deal. I. I I got a dirt bike knee and a dirt bike shoulder. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, really, right? So I got to just, you know, you get old enough, you're like, oh, you better tame down and do something different. So, yep. uh, but anyways. Um, and then how much do you follow the racing now that's going on, Supercross and Motocross? Uh, uh, how much do you watch it all the time? Do you read the websites? Or how much do you keep up on it now? Oh, shoot, I check the Race Rex website every day. Oh, okay. All right. Sweet. That gets me up to speed on what's going on and uh, – whatever and then you know try to watch the supercross and well on a saturday night at least in the winter time i don't get to see all the outdoor nationals but mm-hmm. uh, usually usually on saturday night try to run out to bob's place and and uh watch the supercross with him and terry gets to run the channel changer it's television torture with a female <laughs> on a channel changer but, but that's what we do and and uh Talk about how fast we used to be and all that and make fun of everybody. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I've done some of these with Bob. I know Bob a little bit, and yeah, he's he's awesome. He hasn't changed much, that's for sure. He's getting worse. What do you mean? <laughs> he's getting worse. Um, uh, you know, when you look at your results throughout your career, uh, uh, some really good rides, lots of top tens, but definitely better motocross results than supercross. Um, I, but you know, good supercross results, but some really good motocross results. And I'm guessing, Jeff, it's just from that era where you're from Ohio and you didn't practice supercross, you didn't have a supercross test track to like, you know, harp, sh- uh, sharpen your skills. I guess, right? Well, there was there wasn't no such thing as a supercross test track. The first one they built was in uh, at Honda Land in Simi Valley, I think, out there in Simi Valley, about 1982 or 83. And uh, I got on that a few times. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Liberty, you if you went on Thursday, if you got a chance to go to Honda Land and get a ride on a Thursday on Saturday night, my results were better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it made right. a, Yep. It made a giant difference. It made a giant difference. And, uh, you know, it's changed so much. I mean, they all got tracks now. And, uh, but yeah, it made, uh, if you had a chance to get to Honda Land, I mean, you just, it was instantly, instantly a better result on Saturday night. Yeah. For me, the Supercross, I mean, I love the Supercross. It was, you know, I always seem to get pretty good starts, good enough starts. And, 
that was always important. And, and, and the, it, you know, the track and all that stuff and the arena crosses in Canada and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. And plus you made more money, you know, but, yeah. uh, you know, and it was, you ride, you probably rode harder, at the, harder on you, mm-hmm. or, you know, tougher on the outside of the nationals. But, uh, you know, for me, I'm, it's super cross. So I'm, if I get in the main event on a Saturday night, I make a thousand bucks minimum yep. and maybe, maybe some contingency money. Right. And, uh, you know, so it's, it was good that outdoors money was a lot tighter. If you get a couple of top tens, you're making four or five hundred bucks. That's not enough to pay the bills. I'll tell you what, it hasn't no. changed much, Jeff. Motocross is still lagging behind Supercross for pay nowadays. You know, so it uh, <laughs> not much has changed. Um, you came up as a as a out of Ohio. Uh, this is back in the era too, where Southern California riders. I mean, everybody, you know, mostly for the most part was SoCal. David Bailey was East Coast, but there wasn't a ton of Kenny Keelon and these guys were East Coast, but not a ton of guys from the East Coast. But you know, again, you're from Ohio and you're working your way up, starting on a Yamaha back in the day. Um, did you early on? Did you? I mean, at some point, I guess, Jeff, you were probably like, hey, I'm getting pretty good at this, and either maybe your dad or yourself, somebody's like, I'm going to chase this dream of being a pro, even though back then, Ohio wasn't, you know, a hotbed of motocross, right? Well, it wasn't. You weren't going to get a factory ride riding at, at uh, Malvern on every Sunday, but <laughs> we have plenty of competition, man. There's a lot of good riders around there. Yep. And, and made for good competition or whatever. But for me, you know, when I started out, you know, my parents were behind me, and mm-hmm. uh, the, the big, the turning, the breaking. You know, the when things sort of started to change in 1981, Trans Am. Okay. And, uh, the support class, 500 support class. I'm riding a George Quay Keystone Yamaha, and uh, Magoo's in there, and mm-hmm. Wilson's in there, and Jimmy Else is in there, and uh, I gave him a pretty good run, and ended up getting a contract from Yamaha when it was done. Oh, so that wow. And that was actually that was actually the first time I'd ever been to California in uh, 1981. So, and uh, but yeah, that was that was the turning point. But my career started, you know, with my parents in the motor hall mm-hmm. and two bro- two brothers and, and mom and dad and grandpa and going to the you know going to the local races and probably both my brothers were probably both yeah. better riders than me. But uh, yeah, 1981 was sort of the turning point for me where I got a chance to get out west, make a few contacts and, and uh and get a contract. So what uh, what track was it, do you remember? The uh Trans Am tr- series in eighty one went I think the series went mid Ohio, which was a home track mm-hmm. for me. Mid Ohio Redbud, Unadilla, uh Whitney, Texas, uh Hangtown. Okay. And uh, and then two weeks after that, they had a Supercross in San Diego, and the Monday after the Supercross, which would have been like, oh, November, or Halloween, or something like that, yep. in '81, I, I got a contract from Yamaha. It so, was, and they, I thought it would just be a support deal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, went into Yamaha, it was just me and my mom. We were getting ready to drive back to Ohio, and I go in there, and Kenny Clark's in there. And he says, yep. "Here's what we're going to do." And it was identical contract to what Ricky Johnson signed. Oh, really? And, uh, oh, wow. You were like, sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I had never really heard of Johnson up until that point. But mm-hmm. uh, I run out to the truck. We start driving home. I'm like, they're going to pay me. They're going to give me a salary. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. I can't believe it. I mean, here's my chance. Right. And 
Now, when you said the trans the Trans Am series, are you talking about one race that you gave Magoo and those guys a run, or the whole series? Were you talking about? Oh no, shit! I gave him a race every week. Okay, so, so you you went the, you did the whole series and you gave him a run and all, okay. And then we were riding five hundreds. We were riding five hundreds, and I don't remember what the international class was, but right. the support class was five hundred. Yep. And Honda had brought out their eighty-two model bikes a little early. Yep. And uh, I think maybe I think JoJo rode one, Steve Martin rode one, Jimmy Ellis rode one, Larry Wosick, and Magoo. And uh, shoot, I I led them over every weekend and finished second in the points to Magoo. I think. Hey, that's finished. Oh no, you you're riding five hundred, so that's a four sixty five. I was going to say eighty two. 81, those are radiator on the handlebars, Yamahas. <laughs> no, no. 82 is the radiator in the, on the handlebars. Okay. 81s were And mine was awesome. It was white with a blue seat. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm sure you've heard of George Quay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. We, we had a, we had a, my bike was as good as anybody's, man. It was awesome. And uh, it, it sort of, like I said, pushed me over the hill, got me over the hump. Yeah. But I never, I never got to the next level. You know, I yeah. signed the same contract as Ricky Johnson. He wins five or six national championships. Right. I get, I get freaking nervous and and don't get a, don't get a second contract. But uh, but still did pretty well after that money wise. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I did one of these with JoJo a while back too. What a guy! We got to do a part two. He ran out of story. Well, we we ran out of time. I listened to the JoJo podcast yesterday, oh. and uh, <laughs> uh, last time I saw him, I went to visit him in about 2001 or 2002, and, uh-huh. and we played golf and tried to beat each other out of $100. <laughs> and when, he, when he dropped me at the airport, he's hugging me, and we're both crying. And I, there's, I don't have a lot of friends in the business, but I missed the shit out of him for sure. Yeah. You know, he, he's so, so he's an awesome person, and I, I've truly miss him for sure. One of the guys I was I was going to obviously ask you. So when do you meet Hannah? Is that when you meet Hannah? Like eighty one, eighty two, eighty two? He 19, hated the bike. Oh my god, it was awesome. The Met reading nineteen eighty two. Okay. Uh, I I don't have a clothing con. I've got a Yamaha contract. I have no clothing contract. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm calling around. I'm like, oh shoot, I'll call HRP. Yeah. So. I call HRP and and no shit, Hannah answers the phone. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, and he goes. I tell him who I am. He goes, I know who you are. <laughs> and he says, I he says he says you want to go ride and when you get to California, look me up and you can go ride with me. I said great. And he said he, we didn't do a clothing deal, but he tried to line me up for with Bebo to be my mechanic. Um, and uh, wow. Because the people, they were, they didn't tell me who my mechanic was. And right. Bob's like, man, when you go in there, tell, he goes, you get the Alma, you go down there, you tell Kenny you want Bebo working on your bikes. And I'm like, I'll go hang up the phone. I'm like, huh, I don't know. I take, I don't know what to think, but I know that Bebo and Bob are buddies. Yeah. And I never, I never say jack shit to uh, Kenny Clark. And they give me Dave Austin as my mechanic. And, uh, so Dave was my mechanic, but and Dave Austin was a great mechanic, but working on my bike was a big time demotion, man. He yeah, was, he was uh, Mike Bell, but year before, right? Yeah, or two years before, and, yeah. And, and Supercross champ, yeah. And I, 
1980. Yeah. So that didn't, we didn't really do that well, me and him. <laughs> Plus, <laughs> like I said, I got nervous. The bikes were shit. Yeah. And, uh, but the problem with the bikes, as bad as they were, freaking Ricky Johnson's riding the wheels off. Them, yeah. And he, he was, he won. And, and like, so what am I, I can't cry about the bike. I just got to shut up and, and ride it as hard as I can. And, Mm-hmm. Uh, the harder I ride it, the slower I go, man. It wasn't <laughs> good. Um, so you and Hannah, you're from Ohio. Bob's a Cali guy, you know, out the desert. Just instantly take a liking to each other, like personality-wise, jokes, and like, and it starts a really a lifelong friendship, huh? Well, lifelong friendship for sure. And how it really got started, and I mean, we sort of. He was looking for some guys to ride with, although he had a giant crew mm-hmm. of guys in the desert. But, uh, you know, we we matched up pretty well, and uh, and he absolutely didn't like anybody else on the team. <laughs> and, uh, so maybe that contributed to it. But I'll tell you the first time, I'll tell you a story. The first time, boy, I rank, I rode the Golden State you know, at Saddleback, and there was like 800 bikes there or something. Right. And, and uh, I saw Bob, and he's like, "Hey, we're riding, we're riding at Bean Canyon on Tuesday." Tell Osman, I think he called him, but uh, Burhead or <laughs> with whatever. The, with the yeah. Afro, with the, said, tell, him to, tell him to bring you out there. You can ride with us. So he takes, oh, Dave takes me out to Bean Canyon, and we roll up, and there's uh, ten or twelve guys there, Bob Mossberg and Merckx, and mm-hmm. and. Uh, all Bob's buddies, and it's like I'm looking at the, and one guy's got an old Hannah helmet, one guy's got an old Hannah <laughs> pair of boots, and these these bikes look like they're the biggest pieces of shit you have ever seen. Like, they, how could that? I didn't think they even ran. Like, and, but anyways, there's ten or twelve of them, and 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 we roll up and we unload, and we go ride, and I'm like, oh my, this is unbelievable, man. We're playing in the you know, climbing banks and ditches and hills uh-huh. and ride all day and uh, just had a great time. And, and up until that point in my career, I never really had a chance to practice. You know, I, okay. didn't, I, couldn't, afford, I couldn't afford to practice or ride or anything. But, you know, Bob was all about being on the bike, man. He rode. I mean, it was all about riding. And that was the biggest part of his training. And uh, I, I wanted all that I could get, man. So uh, it worked out pretty yeah, that's awesome. Um, and and then they put Yamaha puts Hannah in the 125 class with the radiator on the handlebars, and he just absolutely loses his mind to the media every single week. It's great. <laughs> it's great. I can only imagine in private what he was saying about that bike and and Yamaha and everything else. <laughs> uh, he he uh, he hated that bike. Yeah, it was it was. And I, who was he up against? He was up against. Barnett, uh, Ward, no, yeah, Ward, no, I think I don't really remember, but and Bomber, uh, and Bomber was in there, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. oh, and, and the eighty-one, eighty-two Orc Suzuki's were unbelievable, man. Right. But, uh, so he was, he was, uh, he was down on machine for sure, but uh, he sucked it up and whatever. I think he's glad he did it now, but uh, it motivated him to, you know, to make a change and move to Honda and all that, you know. Yeah. So. I'm um, sure he has no regrets. In the vault, in the Racer X vault, it says Jeff Hicks rode KTM in '83, and I do not remember any any photos or anything about you riding KTM in '83. 
I'll tell you the story if you want to hear. Yeah, yeah. I had I I got I had no contract from Yamaha at the end of '82. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. KTM was coming out with a brand new water cooled single shock mm-hmm. 250 in 1983, and uh, a guy named Bill Baroff was the team manager, and I think he called me. I think he cold called me and said, "Here's what we're going to do. We got a new bike, and." Uh, we're going to put three guys on it for the Golden State Series. And at the end of the Golden State Series, the top guy will get a will get a good contract for the rest of the year. And uh, I said, oh, shoot, I'll take that. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but I had, but the practice bike I had was just a leftover 82 bottle air-cooled, and it was rough, man. It was, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was not a good motorcycle, but that was my practice bike. So I'm like, all right, sweet. I got a deal. Right. I called Bob. I got, I got a bike, and... And Bob was Bob was just getting geared up with Lunas at Honda, yep. and uh, he he said, "Come on out, I'm riding every day, yep. every day till the race." <laughs> and I said, "All right, we'll see you in a week." And uh, so I, anyways, we ride the Golden States on the KTM, and the last day I rode it, and we really, we literally rode every day that we weren't racing, like yeah. uh, all the Golden States, and, and I think Bob was on 45 days straight. Like he rode every day for 45 days or something crazy, and uh-huh. I was probably 35 days straight by the time I caught up to him. Right. And uh, and my that and my poor air cooled <laughs> 82 twin shock KTM. Like, the number plate was on the back fender then, right? I think that year in 82. <laughs> it was. It was not. Anyway, it 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 Bob's like you got to get on. What are you doing? I'm like I'm doing what I can do, man. I got. He goes, you got to get off that thing. Well, we go to Lake Madera, which is like two weeks from the end of the series, and and there was a Supercross that was mixed in. I think I rode the KTM at Anaheim, mm-hmm. and uh, and then there was a Golden State the next week at Lake Madera, and then the next week was Seattle, I think. I don't remember. Anyways, yeah, yeah. I go to Madera, I go to Lake Madera, and it get, I get a false neutral on this jump. And when I woke when I woke up, my nose was pointed sideways, and I was busted up big time. And that was the last day I ever rode a KTM. Uh, Bob won a couple races, and and uh, he got a couple practice bikes out of the back of the shop, and I started riding the Hondas. Okay, so yeah, in '83, it's got you on a KTM a whole bunch of times, and it's got you on a Honda only only five times. But you mostly rode Honda. But yeah, only rode the KTM for the month of January, and not even. Oh, okay, we got to get that changed because it says in April twenty fourth you rode a KTM, and then the next week you're on a Honda, and then you're back on a KTM. And I was going to ask you all about this, but okay. Oh, that's probably Steve and entries got yeah yeah yep six months in advance or whatever, and had me on the KTM, but. Uh, yeah, I got a. Uh, I got a. I rode Atlanta. I started. I, I missed Seattle, and I took a week off to get my nose <laughs> healed up a little bit. And I got. I took the Honda down to uh, Atlanta. And how that worked out? That's a good story. Uh, I got to be buddies with Bebo, uh-huh. even though he wasn't working my bikes at Yamaha. And uh, and when when we could, we got the Hondas. When Bob got the Hondas out of the backdoor Honda for me, I still needed a way to get to the races. Uh-huh. And uh, Bob was wearing Smith goggles in those days, and their roll-off system was brand new. Mm-hmm. So we, Bebo, who was brand new Scott Goggles guy, Bebo's first year of Scott Goggles, 1983. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, I probably shouldn't do this, but you can probably get a deal together with Smith 
They'll give you some gas money, find somebody to go with you to the races. We'll paint the van up, and uh, and and Bevo and Bob will put that Smith goggle deal together. And uh, and I got my younger brother Randy to come out, and uh, he ran the goggles, and we had a gas card, and in 1983 was ten times better than 1982. Wow, that's funny. Now, okay, were these Bob's bikes, or did Honda give you bikes eventually? Oh, there was plenty of bikes around in those days because besides the factory team, Honda had a support team. Yeah, yeah. And I think that I think that I think and they, I think my first two bikes were leftover practice bikes from Steve Martin or Kenny Keelon or somebody <laughs> like that. Okay. And uh, and then I ended up. I think I think uh, we got we ended up getting a brand new one right after Daytona, which I've used till the end of the year. Did you ever get on Hannah's factory bike and ride? That's a lowered tank. That was the ult, you know, one of the <laughs> ultimate bikes. Did you ever get on that thing? Yes. <laughs> it's uh, it unbelievable. The, uh, I'll tell you, I didn't ride. I think I rode the 84 model. Yep. I never rode the 83 that I can remember. Okay. But I rode the 84 a little bit. Yep. I rode the 1985. Works full on works bike. Yep. Fuel pump. Yeah. Tank down low. Seat seat all the way up to the crossbar and uh, suspension unbelievable. I mean, you probably and, you probably but, never never should have done that because you had to get back on your production bike. You're like, ah, shit. Let's do the rest of the story. Okay. 19, 1984, Mitch Payton started helping me with my Hondas. Uh huh. I think I was probably Bones Bacon first test rider mm-hmm. in about eighty four, eighty five, and Bones was learning the suspension was. Pretty good on the Honda, but motor-wise, mm-hmm. my '85 Honda was as good as that works bike, man. And and pro, and that was all pro circuit shit. Really, huh? Yeah, yeah it was great. Yeah. Uh-huh. you know, it's funny. Uh, that was sort of just the beginning of Mitch getting it going, and and uh, Mitch was a, one another guy like George that helped me get my, you know, that sort of pushed me along as far as my career goes. And uh, Mitch was awesome to me. I mean, I stayed at his, lived at his house, and. He built me good shit, and the, and the bikes were uh, 84, 85, 86. So good, right? Well, uh, they were super good. And uh, but the, uh, yeah, Bones Bacon. My good, I saw Bones a couple years ago at South Salt Lake, and and uh, he, like I said, I was one of his first test guys. He's still there. He's he got the he's to, got the hat. He's got the jeans on. He looks exactly the same, except for no glasses. <laughs> 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 Bones Bacon, I'll tell you what, he, I stayed in his house one night, and I don't know what happened. It was He was living in a trailer in Watts or somewhere <laughs> downtown L.A., and uh, there was some commotion or some cops outside, and and, and uh, I don't know what happened, but I look, I get up off the couch, and I'm like, hey, Bones, what the hell's going on out there? He's ah. There's cops around here all the time, and I'm I'm freaking nervous. <laughs> you're from man. Ohio, like, right? Yeah, you're from Ohio. Like. He turns the light on. He turns the light on. There's Bones Bacon standing there in his whitey tighties, <laughs> and that's a visual you'll never forget. Seeing Bones Bacon in his underwear <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning with you know blue lights flashing in the background. I'll, I'll oh, jeez. Um, eighty four wow. was when you rode for Team Tam, or no? Yeah, yeah. Uh, George Quay was manager, and I don't. It was Bob Tam. He he sold auto parts or something, but I don't exactly know what what Bob Tam he, did. He did. He uh, 
he had some kind of import export or just an import business importing bumpers and fenders and stuff for Toyota pickups and dots and pickups. I think in those days. Okay. But that was a pretty big effort. Man. Yeah. Honda got Honda got behind us, and we had good riders. Me and Myers Goff, Alan King, and John Welchel, and Chris Heiser, and and all that. But yep. The, uh, they, I don't know. George was my mechanic and the team manager, mm-hmm. and uh, which I don't know. I went through a phase there that uh, <laughs> the team was sort of, I don't know, wasn't doing very well. Yeah, I think there was a, the money was running out, and uh, the bikes were getting neglected, and uh, it just sort of started to fall apart midsummer, and, and uh-huh. that was the end of that. It was, uh, I mean, the intent was something special, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Team uniforms, you, you know, guys all looked really good, like all team gear, you know, and everything. Alan King won Hangtown. Like, that's oh, awesome. He, yeah. he, led the, he led the points for a few weeks. Yeah. He, <laughs> uh, I think the opening round was at Gainesville that year, and Alan was supposed to ride the 500s. And the day before the race, he's like, that thing's a pile of shit. I want to ride the 250s. <laughs> and... uh and I think maybe Myerskoff was hurt or not there. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, King does it. He gets the top three at Gainesville or something like that. And two weeks later, he, he wins Ankdown. <laughs> he, uh, I don't know how he finished, but the, uh, yeah. No, it was a, it was a strong effort. I mean, they had four or five box bands and mechanics, and right. uh, you know, it was a full effort. But the the team didn't really generate any money, and I think maybe Bob Tam neglected part of his business. Sure. You know, I'm part of this business a little bit, but it, I didn't really survive till the end of the year. You know, I didn't really make it. But my my part with Team Tam sort of started at the end of 83. Mm-hmm. Uh, they took me to all the Transcal series, which wasn't really full factory effort. There's no full factory teams there, but the Transcal series was uh, a six or eight race series with a couple Supercrosses mixed in, and I ended up winning that, actually. You know, oh. on on a on a pre-production '84 Honda 250. Yeah, and again, the Hondas were so good uh, back then, production-wise. And I can only imagine riding Bob's bikes every now and then. But it's funny, like Bailey, Lachine, even JoJo in that podcast, like the '85 Honda Works bikes, which was the last year of Works bikes, seat up to the tank, like you said, fuel pump, everything else. Those guys have told me they weren't that great in '85. The bikes were not that great. 84 were better. Oh, I think works-wise, I mean, you, uh, the guys with Bailey or Bob or those guys could tell you better, but yep. uh, they were still pretty damn good. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> they were still pretty good. But yep. when, when my pro circuit, 1985, yeah. Honda, I roll up to the starting line, you know, between Bailey and Bob or whatever, man, I know I got the power to hole shot them. Like, I mean, it was – my bike was good, man. I, I, uh, I won in '85. That was the year I rode the whole Canadian series, and I won Vancouver. That was the biggest thing I ever did in my career. Mm-hmm. 1985 Vancouver Supercross and uh, Montreal. In those days, they used to pay a pound of gold. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I went to Montreal, fell down in the first corner, man, and. and rode my tail off, got third or fourth or something, should have won the pound of gold. And uh, the very next day was Atlanta National. 
and uh, the promoter had chartered a plane, and I think I think me and Jim Hawley, mm-hmm. maybe Ross too. I couldn't swear to it, but they, you know, we had a charter out of Montreal that took us to Newark or something. We did yep. customs, and I think I got the Six Flags Atlanta <laughs> at about nine o'clock the next day. Missed practice. Oh jeez! And, and whole and whole shot has led both photos that day. <laughs> that's how good, that's how good my book was. <laughs> Yeah, funny, huh? Yeah, you got sixth overall in 85 at Six Flags. That's funny. Um, yeah, you did all those Canadian races growing up, man. Like like you said, uh, I'm from Winnipeg. You did the Winnipeg Arena Cross two or three times. Calgary, Edmonton, I saw you there. Uh, I never went to Vancouver Supercross when you raced it, but it was a few years. And, um, and you lined up against Rollerball, who was my childhood hero, Hicks. I loved Rollerball growing <laughs> up, man. Um, you have to have some good rollerball. The rollerball roller roller ball in May, we were two different sort of, like, he's a, I mean, in those days, it seemed like he's a foot and a half taller and about. <laughs> yeah, he was a big dude. 80, 80 pounds bigger, and he always had that shit-eating grin on his face. And, because and, uh, he, he was, he was just, he was just freaking tough, man. He was yeah. tough. And I'm 165 pounds, and he could just, do whatever he wanted. My best chance of beating the rollerball is get in front of him and just run away. And <laughs> when he was behind me, I mean that was that was I was motivated not to get ran over. That's what I yeah. what motivated me to stay in front of him for sure. He was a strong, mean, tough son of a bitch, and you pull his helmet off, he's grinning at you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, him and Holly. Holly. Holly's still down here. He's at all the races in Supercross. You know, Jimmy. Jimmy is and. I'm good friends with him, and the stories that he tells me, and, and some of the ones we can't repeat for public, but uh, <laughs> some of the stories he tells me about him and Rollerball, they just seem like it's unbelievable. It, it feels like it's like you're, you can't be serious, Jimmy. And he's like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, good times. Jim Hawley, Jim Hawley's, uh, he's another guy that I miss. He He's a perfect, he's a, he's a real gentleman and a real friend to me. Yep. I mean, I've, I saw him. I haven't seen him for a couple of years. I saw him at Interbike in Vegas a few years ago and got to visit with him. And, uh-huh. uh, perfect gentleman, but as fierce and mean yeah. as shit on the motocross track. And uh, and love banging into you. Love rubbing up against you. <laughs> right. and, uh, tough guy, but uh, he sent me a coaster when I got married. That's And, and uh, I'm like, you know what? He's he's a he's a he's just a perfect he's a perfect gentleman and a, and a good guy, man. He is. Uh, him and Rollerball hitting each other and laughing about it after the race, having a beer together, and just trying to break each other's legs on the track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty, yeah, good times. Sure. Um, did you switch to Suzuki? I thought you switched to Suzuki when Bob did in '86. I did. Okay, cause, again, because the Racer X Vault has you on a Honda except for one race. And I'm like, wait, I remember Hicks on a Suzuki then. 1986, Bob goes to Suzuki. Yep. Test rider, test rider part-time. Yep. Uh, whatever. And uh, and, he, and he does it, and part of his deal was we need to give Hicks some bikes. So I got a <laughs> few bikes and uh, – and, and some parts, and, and I was privateering. I, my brother Randy was still running my bikes around for me in the uh-huh. Smith van, and uh, it, it was pretty good, except the bike was bad, man. Oh, dude, I, those bikes were terrible, I, huh? I rode a couple Golden States, and I rode a couple Winter Series and Florida races on it, and uh, I rode Anaheim on the Suzuki and won the first seed race of the, of the series, I think, 
It was, but uh, I got the Honda. I got some Hondas out of uh, you. Oh, you know Freddie Andrews. Yeah. His dad had a Honda yeah. shop, and and uh, I said, man, if I, I I'm not going to make any money on the Suzuki. It was break. It was a few things breaking down on it, and uh, I was like, man, I got to. So I went to Suzuki and and uh, went back in there and talked to him and uh, said, this is not going to work for me. And they were pretty cool and uh, you know probably 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 put Bob in an awkward spot, but yeah, man, I had to, I had to eat, you know, <laughs> so I rode, so I rode this, I, you know, I got the, I got the Hondas out of Andrews and mm-hmm. rode them for the next, whether for the rest of the season. So. Um, yeah, they were, they were bad. You should almost actually, Bob, Bob should write you a check of all the money you lost going to Suzuki. That's what should really happen. Bob should tell Bob that I said that, cause that was a terrible move. Um, uh, Oh well, right. But hey, you were finally probably collecting an HRP salary at this point. I don't know if you really call that a salary. <laughs> <laughs> I like the HRP stuff in '86. It looked good. I liked it. Oh shit, it was, it was super good stuff. Yeah. I think uh, I think Answer was actually building it. Yep. And fit and and uh, was awesome stuff. It, uh-huh. I wore it for I wore it about four or five years. It. it uh, I don't know why it never took off, but it was good stuff, man, for sure. And and, and they paid me a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, which, so, which, yeah, you got back on the Hondas, which is good. And if you look at your results, uh, yeah, pretty good on the Hondas. Like I said, lots of top tens, lots of main events in Supercross. And you're a privateer at this point. Do you ever – what's the closest you get help from Honda? Like, do they ever are – are they floating you bikes for free at any point? Oh, no, no. I'm buying – after, after – uh, Bob left Honda. I'm buying my bikes from Andrews in Ohio. Really? They never Honda never never gave you some? Or, oh, wow, because your results are no. good. I mean, you know, you're still a top privateer for all those yeah, years. I'm a top ten guy, but in those days, top ten really wasn't good enough to get a deal. Yeah, you know, and there's yep. and support rides and, and and partial support and that sort of stuff. It's like it's cycled up and down like it sort of does now. And that was a time when there wasn't as as much stuff going around as there was mm-hmm. earlier in the eighties. You know, but for me, I didn't really care. I could run my, without it, without a contract, without any commitments. Man, I could ride whatever races I wanted. So, and starting in about eighty six, eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven, if I could, if I could go to Vancouver and get a thousand dollars start money, yeah. I went. Yeah, yeah. If I if 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 I could go to Australia and get two thousand dollar guarantee and all expenses, I went. Yep. So dollars and cents. It was I was financially way better off, you know. You, you know, it's funny. Holly tells me the same story. Holly signed a factory deal in '87, right? No, in '86. Sorry, factory deal with Yamaha. He lost yep. money because he couldn't do all those sure. races. He lost money. He's like, sure. it was better for me to be out of a van. I could go everywhere. I could get contingency. I could, you know, everything. And, and it's funny how that works. Like he's like, yeah, it sucked. <laughs> so, yep. same kind yep. of deal. No, that uh, that sort of started. Uh, I think I went to Europe for the first time in, in uh, at the end of '83. I think mm-hmm. Bologna, Bologna Motor Show, Milano, Milano, uh, Zurich, Antwerp, whatever. And uh, shit, you could go over there, spend three. I spent I spent three or four or five weeks and come home with you know six or eight grand in my pocket. Yeah, you know, it was, yeah. Uh, so I started doing that more, and, and I was making more money and. and uh, and enjoying it more, really, you know. Right. Instead of beat, I, instead of beat my brains out at, uh, you know, at 
some national yeah. kind of shit track. You know, we, in those days, we didn't. The tracks weren't always good. You know, you go to you go to Lakewood, Colorado, and you might as be racing on a freeway. You know, or, <laughs> I know there was a, there's video of there's video of eighty four Saddleback online. You can't see oh anything. God. You can't see anything. The dust is so bad. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. oh my god! So for me, in those days, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and get the money, right? So, yeah. But you know, it's, it's, uh, and I don't know that I was. I'm just thinking about other people that sort of helped me along. I was talking, telling you about Bones Bacon. I'll mm-hmm. tell you a story about me and Bones go to a, I think they call it a Kyle Fleming Memorial Race in Dwight, California, mm-hmm. in uh, 1986 for a tune-up race. Because I'd been off, I'd been off because I had my knee operated on at the end of '86. I needed a tune-up race, but I had about eight races and ten or twelve grand start money lined up to go to Europe. So I say, hey, Bones, let's go to. I need to ride. A, I want to ride a race before I go. So we go to this Kyle Fleming race, and uh, I, I break my jaw and knock my teeth out. Oh, it geez. cost me. I spent ten grand at the oral surgeon in the next two months, <laughs> and. Uh, and don't make and, and had to cancel the European trip yeah. about a twenty twenty thousand dollars swing. Like, oh my god, that was a mistake. Yeah, but but Bones, Bones had to take me to the hospital. He's <laughs> what a crazy thing. He's doing a hundred in my van. I'm like, don't blow my van up. <laughs> and, if, and, and, and the cops pull us over and they look at me like, yeah, what the hell happened? Blood, that blood everywhere, right? Yeah, exactly. he's got no teeth. His face looks like it's been drugged on the asphalt for ten miles and. <laughs> and, and, and Bones was doing a hundred, and they and they let him go. They let him go, and he took me to uh, to the doctor in Anaheim. Uh, oh, geez. but anyway, that was the same time. That was November of '86, and uh, I was just I was still wired shut the day the day that Bailey broke his back. Oh, geez, yeah. Uh, you just you know that was a, that was that was a. That shocked the industry, man. Yeah. When Bailey got hurt. and uh, my amateur career, you know, I didn't do as good as Bailey, but I rode a lot of the same races coming up. And, and uh, the day that Bailey got hurt was uh, he was the best rider on the planet. Right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, it shook everybody up, including me, especially you know coming being hurt then and whatever. But uh, yeah, I. I I, uh, I this whole deal, this whole podcast deal, sort of like a trip down memory lane yeah. for me. But that was that was a that was a time in my career. Like you start thinking about what you're going to do with the rest of your life, and uh, and how to try to take better care of yourself. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on Racer X. I want to talk to you a little bit about Race Tech. The folks at Race Tech have been uh, on board with us for a long time, and use the code PulpMX. 17 when you're checking out to save money get your suspension done please come on give your bike some love all right if, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension get race tech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in corona california or at your local race tech service center and check out the helpful guides on racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit it's a revalve in a box things have been around a long time also too race tech doing engines now valve jobs porting honing decking and more whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Race Tech's engine services department experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. 
Give Racetech a call and mention Pulpmex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech. Hi, Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hit a motocross stuff. Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX Show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting is always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet... You're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows? They might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, well, everyone says if there's one guy that doesn't make mistakes, it was Bailey. It's one guy that's a perfect rider. It's David Bailey. And then, you know, mistakes happen, and, and it, it, it cuts into a guy that was so perfect on the bike, you know. Um, he, he was the best. He was the best that day. He was the best in the world that day, head and shoulders, mm-hmm. not a little bit that. It was way better, man. Um, he was, he was did you did you race a ton? I guess you just raced a ton against like Tom Carson, huh? From Ohio, just I can imagine you Me, and Tom Carson just racing forever against each other. We rode first time I met Tom Carson was at a place called Broken Spokes, which was no, I've been there. I've been there. You've been to Broken Spokes. I have. I worked for KTM for a few years as a mechanic, and we stayed at Sellard's house, and we went to Broken Spokes. You have been around. Look at you. That's awesome. <laughs> In 1975, I won a TM100, and uh, it's the first year I was racing, and I pretty much could handle anybody in Northeast Ohio mm-hmm. on, the, on the TM100. It was a good bike. Yep. Uh, anyways, I go to Broken Spokes, and this uh, some son of a bitch passes me on the downhill, <laughs> like, hey, and it's freaking Carson. He was good. That was his track. He was he gave me a beat down the first moto, and I think he fell down the second moto. Can swear to it, but yeah. that was the first time I saw Tom Carson and and uh, his you know his ability. He was a rival for sure, and we sort of mixed it up quite a bit coming up. But he had a couple. He broke his leg like twice, uh-huh. and uh, 
it really knocked the momentum out of his career for sure. But I saw Carson a few years ago at Salt Lake. He's, is he still going to the races? Yeah, yeah, he's still yeah. there. A, a star medic guy uh, running the the Alpine Star Medic Unit at the races. So still around. Um, I did one of these with him too. It was great. Him and Mike Byer going to Europe for you know six months of the year near the end of their careers at those hard crosses and things like that. You know, <laughs> I never I only rode ever one of those uh, hard crosses, but I think Carson made a stack of money. Oh yeah, they loved it. They killed it, man. <laughs> um, uh, and you know another thing. So you, I forgot about because Bones has talked to me about you before. Uh, how much uh, you helped Pro Circuit and Mitch. Mitch mentioned it too. Mitch said that Danny Storbrook was another guy that really was a, was a big Pro Circuit believer. And it's funny, huh, Jeff? Because like Mitch told me, like in '86, he gave Honda a pipe, and RJ would run it, and and that was like just the the spark i mean he was already in business doing well but the spark that kind of ignited it was rj using his pipe on the factory bike and that just all of a sudden you know the business took off and you again you you saw all this from the very beginning i mean uh just a little shop in anaheim and then rj uses the pipe and soon he's the pipe and suspension choice for everybody just about i think it's probably about 87 or 88 I'm living at I'm living at Peyton's house during the trans or, or during the Golden States before Anaheim, and I'm around the shop every day and, mm-hmm. and working with testing with Bones a little bit and uh, and Mitch Payton. Uh, nobody worked harder than him in those days, man. Yeah, he he, you know, I had a, I had a bedroom down the hall, and he he had a little house there in Corona and a, and a couple of dogs running out of there, and I and I pretty much came and went, but he'd come rolling in at 4 o'clock in the morning, covered in shavings and grinding cylinders <laughs> all night, and, and crawl into his freaking bed. And like, and then and then wheel out of there the next morning at 6 or whatever. Like, yeah. he, he was, he was in, uh, he's certainly been successful, but he put his, he worked his ass off, and I'm sure he still does. Yeah, sure. yeah, no, no doubt, no, no doubt. Um, do you have a favorite Honda that you rode all those years? I mean, not not including Hannah's works bikes. Uh, the '87 was great. The '86 was great. You mentioned your '85 that Mitch got a hold of. The '89 was uh, a pretty good, although the forks kind of sucked. But was there a favorite Honda in there? Uh, the uh, the two eighty-five two fifty. Yep. And the the nineteen eighty-seven five hundred. I rode it. I got it working really good and rode it really good. The uh, I think. Uh, would have been Red Bud eighty seven. Second moto, it's raining like crazy. Mm-hmm. I got a guy named Glenn Zimmerman helping me with my bike and uh and I'm riding it good. I'd been to Europe and rode some international races mm-hmm. and, and I don't know why I finished the first moto. The first moto was dry, yep. the second moto was a mud mud bath. And uh there's a big double down at the bottom of the hill. Nobody's jumping except for me and Johnson, I think. And I think it's I think the, it had to be Johnson Ward, Alan King, and me. And I'm like, I can see them out there, man. Yeah, yeah. I can see them. They're they're ten. They're you know usually they're half a lap in front of you, but that day they're six or eight or ten seconds in front of me. I'm like this, and uh, that was a big day. But that 500, that CR 587 was unbelievable, man. It's a good bike. Yeah. So that probably toss up between that bike and the 85 250. And your 85 250, yeah. 
you know, one of those things, yeah. that, and, and you hung out with Hannah a ton, and so you, you know the guy inside and out. He never won a title after he came back from his broken leg, but 83, 84, 85 even, uh, probably the fastest guy, just he kept getting hurt. Um, even Bailey admits in 83, like anytime Hannah showed up, he had everybody covered, but he just couldn't stay healthy, huh? Yeah, yeah. No, and then, and we he had a place in California, a big house in El Toro, and we were living there and training out of there. And uh, he's, he's my best bud, right? Right. I've known him for 35 years, but uh, I still wanted to beat him, whether we were riding a bicycle sure. or riding a motorcycle or whatever. And I'll tell you a story about him. Uh, we're in the desert outside, just out there near Tehachapi, training, practicing, and uh, it's sort of fall of 83. Mm-hmm. Bob Bob does Nando into a ditch and busts his hip. <laughs> okay. Pretty bad. Yeah. We put him in the van, and uh, he's not sure he's not dying. That's how bad he's hurt. Wow. Yeah. So we take him to the hospital, and uh, I drop him off. And I don't think he'd signed his Honda contract yet for the next year. Oh. So. I, like, I stay with him for a while, and then I leave, and he's like, we got to keep this as quiet as we can. And he's, he's, I mean, he's busted up bad. Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyways, so I drop him off there, and, and uh, I go back to the house, house in El Toro, and I'm still right on my training schedule. Yeah. And I think he's probably two or he's probably three months, and he goes on vacation. He gets his Honda, he gets the contract signed, and, He's ready to start training again, and uh, he shows up at the El Toro house, and he's ready to ride a bicycle, and I think he's got a cane, and he can barely freaking walk. <laughs> okay. Okay? I've been three months, yeah. and I've already missed a day. I'm still on my schedule. I'm like, here's the day I'm going to beat him down on a bicycle. Yeah. Here's the day. I'm <laughs> like, you know what? He, and he freaking deserves it because he's been pounding on me right. for five years. Right. So we rolled out. We rolled out on the bicycles, and, and uh, he still he hands out the freaking beat down again. He can barely freaking walk. And that's the day I said, I said, you know what? That son of a bitch, his his, it's in his genes or his yeah, his got better heart. He's got a better heart, better lungs, and and he's just he's just freaking mean and tough. And uh, he's still the same way now. We rode bicycles was last summer. And uh, we ride. He rides us. We ride some pretty good riders. Mm-hmm. Our yep. age group. And uh, we got a little. We call it a dump loop. And it's got a couple pretty good hills in it. And uh, and we. And I tell. I go. Hey, that guy's gunning for you. He's going to give you. He's going to give you a beat down this year. That's what he told me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bob looks at me straight in the face and he goes, "The day he beats me up the wall, you'll take me home in a body bag. My aorta will be torn off the side of my heart." <laughs> And that's how me. That's how he is. That's just how he is. That's yeah. how he's always been. I've heard these. Uh, Rich Taylor's a friend of mine, uh, a real good friend of mine. Obviously, Hook Taylor, right? Smith goggles, which you know. Lightning and- Taylor, Richard Lightning Taylor. Yeah. I haven't seen him for a while, but. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's told me stories when Hannah was long retired. Now he was kind of managing Suzuki or, or, you know, a rider manager or whatever. So this is 90, 91, 92. And Rich is riding well. Rich is, you know, main event guy on a Honda, doing well. And he's like, Hannah's just, he could still work me. 
just in the desert. Like they're just, he's like, it was just brutal. And Denny Stevenson rode for Factory Suzuki in '90. He said Hannah was the fastest guy on the team. Well, the fastest guy. And this is like Hannah's been done for three, four years already at this point, right? So <laughs> there's there's certainly some ability there, but uh, it more it comes more out of his heart than it does anything else. Like he's just yeah, that's just that. That's just that he's just he's just mean enough and uh, and proud enough that that's how he rolls. What's sure. what's the best prank you've played on him or he's played on you that you could probably tell in for public <laughs> for public consumption? Oh, gee. that's it's never with that guy. It never quits. I mean, he, it's, <laughs> it's a constant. Yeah, oh, on the on the JoJo podcast here. Yeah, JoJo was talking about going to Lake Mead and, and uh, oh my God, you spend a week up. On a, in a houseboat on Lake Mead with with Bob and JoJo and McCarty and Bob Mossberg and Mertz and some of these and all these mm-hmm. guys. Oh my God, it's it's nonstop, twenty four seven, ball busting, <laughs> ball busting. I mean, period. You yeah. Know, and, 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 uh, like if like great. some like if you were like a weaker guy, you would just cry. You would just start crying. You just well, you don't you don't you just don't come here if you if, if you can't take it. He wears you down to nothing. You don't come around with it. <laughs> You're just done, right? You're, yeah, you don't even want to do no, it. Well, sick of forking me, man. I can't take it anymore. Um, but I'll tell you another. I'll tell you another thing about Bob. Yeah, and he's, he's as kind and generous as you'll ever meet, man. And uh, we're talking about Bailey getting hurt, and uh, and and my in my mind when Bailey got hurt, all that sort of stuff. Asked Baby, who one of the first persons was to come and see him. Oh yeah, Bob. And, yeah, and you can imagine how hard that would be. And uh, no, he's he's uh, he's a special guy, no doubt. Yeah, he's, he helped you a ton, right? I mean, just absolutely. Oh, he's, like just he's he's my good friend, and uh, he's he propped up my motorcycle career more than once. Yep, he's he's propped up my business more than once. And uh, and he's a good friend, and and and, uh, and I've been fortunate enough to get my pilot's license in the last ten years, and mm-hmm. uh, and he he had a hand in that. And uh, oh, that's no, awesome. It's, it's that's a, that's cool. Sure. Now I don't know how I don't know how it all happened like that, but there was probably some trade off. I mean, and uh, and we when I was riding that shitty old KTM out there at Bean Canyon <laughs> every day, and, uh, yeah. you know, and, and he probably. You know, it made it maybe it made it a little easier for him to uh, to, to work together. And now, sure. even now, you see rocks. You see guys like yep. Dungey, and he's got, he's got a training guy. Oh yeah, that's a grind. Yep. You you put you need you need somebody to give you a little kick in the ass once in a while. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And, and when we matched up, I mean, we matched up good. We, uh, you know, the training, and I had a few guys. There was a guy named Gary Pastelic, If you've ever heard of him. Yeah, name sounds familiar. Yeah, I, he was a guy I met in the early '80s in Florida. He he was a hard trainer, and uh, he helped me get to the next. He helped me, you know, raise my game a little, and uh, and then shortly after that, I ran into Bob, and that, that helped me raise my game a little. And and that's what's about you got somebody to measure yourself against, sure. uh, and push yourself. So, was there a day when you when you had Bob covered, and he was so mad at you? 
Was there? No. No? No. Okay. No. Um, hey, what about, listen, the bastard never gave you a, a Ferrari, though, like he did Lunas. So, you know, I mean, come on. Come on, Bob. Never gave you a, <laughs> he never gave you the Ferrari. The bitch never let me drive it. He had one in the garage at Del Toro and never let me drive the son of a bitch either. <laughs> bastard. <laughs> um Hey, uh, at the end of 89, uh, you're still getting pretty solid results, uh, but uh, you decide to hang it up. Did something happen? Did, did, was it just time for you to get on with your life or, and you were getting older? or What sort of made you decide, okay, I'm, I'm, my, I'm done chasing the, uh, chasing the series? Well, I, was, I, was mar- I got married in 1988. Mm-hmm. And, uh, just, just, it was just time. I was, I, my shoulder was grinding pretty bad. My knee was grinding pretty bad. Yeah. And, uh, and I wanted to be in Idaho full time. I mean, that's that's where that's where she was. That's where I wanted to be. And it was. And I'm shoot. I'm 28 years old. I'm never going to get another factory contract. Yeah. And uh, and and you know, you get to a point where, for me, I always said the guys only got so many races in them. Yeah. And uh, you look at you look at guys like Damon Bradshaw. You know, he started when he was six or four or whatever. Man, he right. burned out when he was. Yep, because you only have so many. Jeremy Jeremy McGrath, he didn't really get going until he was fourteen or sixteen or whatever it was, and his career was a little longer. Yep, and uh, Carmichael, so, early, you know, Carmichael he, hung it up early. Stanton hung it up early. You know, you just you just get to a point. It's like you know what? That's that's enough. And uh, and I and I'm I don't want to I don't want to get hurt. And for me, uh major injury you know major back injury was always in my mind especially at the end yeah yeah and, uh, and you just can't you can't go out there and compete and be you know be competitive right if you got if you got that in your head did you quit racing cold turkey did you still go to europe at all or was that it you bikes were sold and, and you were done that was it yeah. I, I had a i had a motorcycle i rode the occasional local race here in idaho and okay uh, that was it i was actually I went to work for a gentleman named Philip Christensen, an Australian guy out of Sydney, a guy that hired me to come over and ride a few times and uh, helped him promote a race and did some travel back and forth to Australia and helped him. And, uh, that was that was sort of be my transition. And uh, shortly after that, I was in Idaho full time. And yep. oh, then shortly after that, I was divorced. And then I started my construction business. Oh, okay, all right. Um, another guy that you knew, you know, fairly well, is Danny Smith, uh, former factory Suzuki rider, <laughs> FMF Honda rider. I actually was Danny's mechanic for half a year. Uh, on what bike? What was he riding? The FMF Honda in '98. I uh, I feel one of his mechanics got fired. I was a privateer guy, and uh, I filled in. Um, I screwed the bike up once. I don't think Danny and his dad really liked me too much, Jeff. But uh, that's okay. <laughs> nice people, nice people. So I met the I met the Smith in Boise, probably in about eighty three or eighty four. And uh, oh wow, that that long ago? Oh, I didn't know. Okay. When I met, when I met Danny, he was shit in yellow, man. Right, he was, right. <laughs> he was a baby. Uh, and I talked to him a couple weeks ago. He's getting ready to build a new house. Oh, cool! And, uh, he's he's raising up his daughter and doing really good, working with his dad. Oh, uh, good, doing, good to hear. But um, anyway, yeah, I, I heard you were his mechanic. I was sort of hoping you were more like my generation because I was hoping maybe you were Ross's mechanic. Oh no, that's Marshall. And I ask Marshall every weekend to tell me stories about rollerball. I think he's sick of me. I think he's sick of me because <laughs> uh, he's still working for Dunlop, right? So he's still around. Um, and uh, put, put Marshall, put Marshall on the list of guys that that I miss. 
he was a he was a good friend of mine. Marshall. Yeah, yeah, good dude. Um, no, I'm I'm 42, so uh, you know, I grew up watching uh, Marshall and uh, and rollerball and uh, and Dave Gowan too. Worked for rollerball for a little bit also. So, um, yeah, it was it was good times. Hey, uh, what race stands out for you, Jeff? Uh, what is there a race or two in your career? Like everyone's got them, right? Where you were you were on fire, you were great. Uh, is there a few that come to mind? Oh, for sure. Uh, probably that 81 opening moto, 81 trans amp support class in middle Ohio. Okay. Oh, uh, that was a big, that was, that, that was a big day for me. I didn't win, but I could have. Yep. And, uh, the next weekend I should have won one moto at red, Bud. those are the highlights of 81, but biggest days really for me, uh, when Vancouver in 85 was the biggest for sure. Yep. And, Won a couple races in Australia, like Supercross races against Dak and and a few guys, Leask and a few of those guys over there, uh, in what would have been probably eighty six or eighty seven or something like that. Road okay. uh, the eighty would have been eighty five National Washougal National second moto. I had a good moto there, but uh, yeah, I never really won any races. Like I said, I never could get to the next level. Man. Yeah, I tried yeah. my ass. I just I worked, and I mean, I, I'm living with I'm living with the best there ever, one of the best there ever was. Yep. Watching everything he does, man, training exactly on his schedule. Yep. Eating the same thing he eats, you know, sleeping the same hours, and and so what? I never could get yeah. to the next level, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it you know, in our sport now, like looking back now, like Jake Weimer, uh, good rider, great guy, uh, 250 Supercross champion. Uh, he did everything Ryan Villapoto did for three or four years. Uh, ben Townley did everything that RC did for three or four years. And they couldn't <laughs> quite break through. Do you know what I mean? You're doing everything, and yeah. you're frustrated as hell, and you're getting good results, good results, just not able to get wins, you know? So. Yeah, that's, that's part of it. I'm a sports nut, Steve. I mean, I... I watch Sports Center all the time. Uh-huh. I love sports, and uh, and that, and I probably miss all that. I miss that. I miss being out there, being on that starting line, that adrenaline rush, and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, that's never, never could. And and that's you know, Danny Smith never could find the next level. He won yep. a national. Yep, he did. He could. Yep. Never, he never could get to the next level and whatever. But the, uh, man, I watch these guys now, and. Uh, she rocks and get tore up like that, man. What yeah. a bummer, man. Oh, uh, no. Right. Yeah. I hope that arm, I hope that arm's not wrecked. <laughs> I hope he can come back from that. What do you think? It looks gnarly, man. He's had nine surgeries and going for a 10th or he just had his 10th surgery. Uh, you know, medical stuff's better nowadays in 2017 than it was, you know, back in your day. And uh, man, I, I mean, I'm, sh- I think he will, but that's going to be amazing because I don't know how you do, but I think he will, but wow. Yeah, well, he's, he's sounds like he's got the best guys working on him. But, yep, yeah, uh, exactly right. Money's no expense. Money's no object when you, when you do that, and you find a specialist and and everything else. Um, looking at your results, Hicks, through the years, you did really well at Washougal. Did you like that track? Was it something special about Washougal? Like what you were good on the on that kind of dirt, um, or or do you have another favorite track? Oh, Mount Morris was my home track. Yep. I had better results. My best results were at Washougal or Redbud. Yep. 
But I, I mean, at Mount Morris, man, all my buddies came down there, and my mom and dad were there, and, and my brothers were there, and all that stuff. So Mount Morris was my home track. Mid Ohio, while they were still running there, was uh, was one of my favorite tracks. Washougal was always at the end of the season, and I was always I always try to be steady. And part of my motivation when it got later in the season was. These guys are freaking burned out. They don't want to be here. Here's your chance to do better. And I worked hard. I don't know if I worked harder or was more motivated, but my res- my results are always better towards the end of the season hmm. than the beginning of the season. And uh, and Washougal was always at the end of the season. But as far as the dirt goes and all that stuff, the uh, the dirt of Washougal is nothing to brag about. No, man, but, no, not really. Uh, yeah. It, uh, I always rode pretty well there. I rode pretty good at Gainesville. Yeah. And uh, whatever. But, uh, yeah, and I think that was part of the reason. And that's part of the reason I did good in that 81 Trans Am. It was at the end of the year, and my bikes were perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was in good shape. And I think the competition was a little burned out. And that's and I, and I that's how I that's how I looked at it, and I used that as motivation. Interesting. Well, um, thank you, Jeff, for your time on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Um Tell Hannah he owes you some money for making you switch to Suzuki, and tell him to get you a Ferrari, and then we'll be good. <laughs> I think I think I think that'll cover it. I'll tell him that too. I haven't seen him for a while, but next time I do, I'll I'll yell at him. Um, yeah, be fun to get both of you guys on here to, to reminisce and start busting on each other. It'd be pretty good. Um, now he's, now he's a good buddy of mine. We do good together. We uh, we flew last week to. Uh, He's, he's, you know, he's, the airplanes are his life. Right. That's what he, I mean, that's what he likes. And anyways, we, uh, he sold this big fancy turbo prop and he flew it down to, uh, on a little sort of a test training flight last week and, uh, out to lunch and bullshitting and ball busting and, 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 uh, and all that. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, nice he, career, a nice career in moto for you racing all over the world. And, uh, yeah, it's it's some really good results and races to be proud of for sure. Uh, thanks for your time, Jeff. Uh, really appreciate it, man. All right, Steve, keep up the good work and and uh, look for, look forward to hearing from you again sometime, maybe. Thank you, man. Thanks. All right. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Miguel was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. 
I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take your money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years.